Good morning. Good morning. You can have your seat. No other fount I know part gets you every time, doesn't it? No other. Yeah, I don't know when to go. Anyway, sorry. This morning, we are in 1 Thessalonians. We are almost done 1 Thessalonians, everybody, by the way. I don't know if you noticed that. Almost done. This was supposed to be the last message, but we actually split it in half, so we have another one coming as well. But this morning, we're going to be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. So go ahead and open up to that, either in your scripture journals or in uh, the Bible. And we're going to be focusing on verses 23 and 24 this morning. Now, verses 23 and 24, um, it's a benediction. So, who remembers what a benediction is? Come on, you can do it. Yeah, it's a blessing. It's a blessing that's pronounced um, by the speaker to the hearers. It's, a, it's like a prayer, but it's not just a request for God to do something. Like, we hope or we ask that, God, you would help me feel better. It's something that's backed by a promise of God. So it's a, it's a blessing, but it's a blessing that comes with the assurance that it's going to happen. It's going to come true. It's a fact, okay? So it's a little bit different than just a prayer, just a request, or just a hope. So Elsabeth is going to read this for us this morning as she comes up. I just want to encourage you, remember the benediction, that's 23 and 24, but we're going to back up first. We're going to start in verse 12. We're going to start in verse 12, and as we're doing that, remember what the theme of 1 Thessalonians is. You guys remember what we've been saying the theme is? Living for Jesus while waiting for Jesus. That's right. We'll go ahead and leave that slide up while Elsabeth is reading, and just be listening for the living for Jesus parts. What is... What are we being commanded? What are we being told about? What are we doing as we're living for Jesus? And then receive the benediction. 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 through 24. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves, and we urge you, brothers, admonish the the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, Help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything, hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. This is the word of the Lord. So living for Jesus while waiting for Jesus. Living for Jesus while waiting for Jesus. But when you see a list like what we just heard read, I just am curious, do you ever feel like living for Jesus is a little bit too hard? Is it a big ask? Do you feel maybe even discouraged when you think of a list like that, of all the things, all the commands that God asks us, tells us to do, that Paul has given us really in all of 1 Thessalonians of how to live our lives? Do you feel discouraged maybe tired, maybe overwhelmed? 
Do you ever feel like you're failing to live for Jesus while waiting for Jesus? Are you aware of the ways that you have fallen short of all the ways we are called to live as believers, as Christ followers? Do you want to be free from destructive patterns of sin and lies, but still maybe feel trapped in bad habits that you just can't seem to break free from? Well, this morning, I have really, really, really great, life-changing news for you. Jesus is going to sanctify you. God is going to work in you so that you can live for Jesus. He promises, this benediction is a promise, that God is going to work in you to change you. He's going to change you from being someone that loves sin, that lives in darkness, that hates God, to turn to someone who hates sin, loves God, and loves living for him. He's going to empower you and change you from the inside out. That's the good news I have for us this morning, and really that's the entire message. We could go home right now. That's the benediction. But instead, we're going to spend the next 30 minutes, I'm just going to tell you that over and over and over again. I'm only half joking. (laughs) The process of God taking us from being in darkness and living like we're in darkness to being transformed to living like Jesus, to acting like Jesus, to stop sinning and instead live righteously is called sanctification. The Bible calls sanctification. Sanctification means to be set apart, means to be made holy, means you are someone that doesn't love living for Jesus to someone who is living for Jesus. It's that process. That's called sanctification. This morning, what I hope to do is to build your faith to believe that God will surely work in you, that God will surely sanctify you. And we're going to do that with just two points. This message has two points this morning. You can just go ahead and write them down if you want to. Number one is God has called you. And number two, so he will surely sanctify you. God has called you, so he will surely sanctify you. And I think what we can do is change our living for Jesus um, overview sentence just a little bit for this morning and say that this morning we're going to talk about living for Jesus with assurance while waiting for Jesus. Living for Jesus with assurance. How can we be sure that we can, that we will live for Jesus while waiting for Jesus? All right, let me just pray that for us this morning. Father, we love you. We want to live for you. We thank you for the gift of Jesus. We thank you for saving us. And Lord, I pray that you would use your word and your Holy Spirit this morning to stir in our hearts a confidence and an assurance that you will do what you have said you will do. God, build our faith, build our expectation, build our hope, build our joy. Ultimately, God, build our belief in you this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, let's start with number one. Number one, God has called you. Look at the text with me. Verse 24 is where we're going to start. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. So Paul says, God who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Let's just start on that very first part. He who calls you. God has called you. God is the one who called you. God reached out and called you while you were in darkness, while you were dead. Before we had any hope of salvation, before we had any life in us, God reached out and called us. This is important. The Bible is very clear about this, but we have to be watchful. And just as an example, there's a popular song. It's a song we even sing here on Sunday mornings. It has a line that goes like this. 
How great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation, I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night. We don't sing that line here on Sunday mornings. We don't sing that line because it's not really wholly true. See, in desperation, we couldn't turn to God. In desperation, well, we were dead. So we didn't turn in the first place. Dead people can't turn. And we didn't speak his name because dead people can't speak. You see, it's important. And the text tells us here right off the bat, God called you. God reached out to you while you were dead, while we were in darkness. God had a plan from eternity past to save us. Look at verse 9 for me. Just glance up a little bit, or maybe turn back a page. I'm not sure. Verse 9, chapter 5. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. So what has God destined us for? God has destined us to obtain salvation. God has destined us to obtain salvation. You've been destined for this. From before the foundations of the world, God called you. God had a plan for you to believe in him, to be saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God is the one that reached out to you? It's good news. It gives us assurance. It reminds us that there's nothing that we brought to the table. See, church, it's bad news if we have to bring something to the table in order for us to be saved. If we have to bring something, then that also means that we can mess up. We can drop that thing. We can knock that thing off the table. That's not what we want on us. We need to believe that it's all God. It's all Jesus. It's all him working on us. Can I preach the gospel to you this morning? Do you want to hear the gospel this morning? Let me preach the gospel to you right now. You ready? Get your hearts prepped. Here we go. We were lost. We were dead. We were haters of God. We were his enemies. We were against him. We, as mankind, humanity, had sinned willingly against God. We proclaimed ourselves as God. We said, we don't want to worship you, even though you're the creator and the holy and the perfect one. We want to worship us. And I don't want to worship any of you either. I want you all to worship me. We hated God. We hated his authority. We cursed his name. We disobeyed his commandments. The things that he told us to do, we didn't do. The things he told us not to do, we did do. We deserved to be destroyed, to be punished for our rebellion against the true king, against the holy God. That was our condition. That was our state. But God, before the foundation of the world, before we had even fallen, already had a plan in mind. He had a plan of how to save those people, us, that deserve the punishment. He sent his son, part of the Godhead, became a man and lived on the planet, the sinful planet with the sinful people. But he lived differently. He lived perfectly. As Paul mentioned this morning, it's hard for me to imagine what does it look like to grow up and be absolutely perfect in every way, but Jesus was. He was perfect. He was sinless. He honored God as God. He obeyed God exactly as in every single way that God had requested. And then he was murdered. He died on a cross, willingly laid his life down on the cross. And when he died on the cross, he didn't just lose his breath, but he actually faced the full wrath of God. The punishment that we all deserved was laid on Jesus instead. But Jesus didn't stay dead, did he? 
Jesus rose from the grave. And when he rose, he proclaimed that he had conquered death. He had conquered sin. So that anyone, anyone of those people that believe in him, they now get Jesus' righteousness on them. And they no longer have to face the punishment that they deserve because Jesus has already been punished. They have already been, their debt has been paid for them. That is the, that is the good news. That is salvation. That's the plan that God had in mind before the foundation of the world to save sinners, to make a way for sinners to be made right with God when we were completely dead, when we had no hope. And then God made a way for us to actually turn and believe in him. Because see, even still on our own, we can't turn and say, oh God, I need you to save me. Please save me. You need faith to believe in God. You need to see with the lights on a little bit clearer to see, oh wow, I am a sinner. I'm not God. I don't live righteously. I need to be saved or I will be punished. That's faith given to you by God. God, in choosing you, turned on the lights in your heart so that you could see him clearly. And for the first time, you beheld Jesus and you said, oh, Jesus is God. I need a savior. I need to be protected from God's wrath and be able to believe and trust in him. That's what it means to be called. That's what it means to be called by God. And I ask you this morning, if you're here and you don't believe in Jesus, that sounds like maybe a good story, but you would say, no, I I don't believe, I'm not saved. Then I would just ask you, is God calling you? Do you feel any stirring in your heart? Do you feel maybe a little clarity of, oh, I'm not good. I, I might have to reckon with some of the bad things I've done or the ways that I've lived, and I don't know how I'm going to account for that. I don't know how I could live good enough for that. If that's you this morning, I want to encourage you. There is a free gift being offered to you this morning. And if you feel a stirring, that means that God is calling you. Don't push it away. Don't just brush it off. You can't do that on your own. You can't turn the lights on. You're dead. (laughs) If God is calling you this morning, I encourage you. Put your faith in Jesus. Put your trust in him. And many of us would love to talk to you about that if you have questions. He's waiting and he's open. He's available. Anyone that believes can be saved. And if you do believe in Jesus this morning, then it's because God has called you. It's because you have been destined for salvation. Just let that like settle in on your heart a little bit. It wasn't that you did such a great thing or you were a little kid that paid attention in church or you read your Bible just the right way. You were destined for salvation. You were destined for it. And this is important because this is part of Paul's argument. Paul makes the case, he says, if God called you, if God has saved you, if God went through everything that I just described and more for your salvation, and if God is faithful, then don't you think he's going to finish your salvation? If God saved you, if he called you, if he had a plan for you before the foundation of the world, Isn't it right to say, for sure, God is going to finish making you righteous? He's not going to leave you at 90%. He's not going to leave you as a sinner. That's Paul's logic. That's Paul's logic I think we can believe this morning. Let it work into our hearts. Whoa, God called me. He's not going to leave me here. God loves me. He reached out to me. He sent his son to die for me. He's not going to stop short. He's not going to lose interest. He is faithful. He's faithful. 
That's why Paul can say, he will surely do it. To which we should say, amen. God will surely do it. Number one, God has called you. And so number two flows right from that. If God called you and he's faithful, then he will surely sanctify you. He will surely make you righteous. Look with me at verse 23. Verse 23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Just pause there. Let's start with who is doing the sanctifying. You see, God is the one at work in you. God is the one at work. God's the one that called you. And then Paul tells us that God himself is going to be the one that sanctifies you. God is the one that's going to bring about the completion of your salvation. God is at work. And I don't know about you, but maybe if it's me, I'm aware of a lot of the ways that I try to work, the ways that I try to strive, the ways that I fall short. And so it's a good and helpful reminder that God is the one at work in you this morning. God's the one that called you. God's the one that will sanctify you. And I love the word that it says himself. God himself. God is not outsourcing your sanctification this morning. And he's not letting you just try to figure it out on your own. It's personal. He knows your struggles. He's there with you at night when you can't sleep. He's there with you when you mess up again. He himself knows you intimately, personally. And he has a sanctification plan that is for you. It's for you. It's not just generic. It's not 10 steps for a Christian to become holy. He has the plan for Casey and Lydia. He has a plan for you. God himself, himself will surely sanctify you. He's going to do it personally. He's going to do it completely. Let's look at verse 23 again, because it doesn't just end with our sanctification. This is actually where I spent the most time this week as I was studying, and honestly, probably what I wrestled with the most. And so I would encourage you, hang in here with me. We're going to struggle, wrestle a little bit with some theology. But honestly, Paul takes it to a whole new level. He kicks our sanctification up a notch. If you're familiar with Emerald, that's what he would say. So look at verse 23. Let's look at what the and section is. Verse 23, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. I would think that would just be the end, but it's not. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept what? Say it again. Blameless. May your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. What does it mean that we are being kept blameless? We are being kept blameless. We just mentioned a moment ago, as we were going reviewing the good news of the gospel, we sang earlier today that it is finished. It's complete. You are blameless before God. So what does it mean that Paul's keeping, that, Paul, that God's keeping us blameless? What does it mean that we're being kept blameless? Could we be not blameless? Are we less blameless now than we're going to be? Well, first, I think we do need to affirm what we've already heard this morning. Romans 5.1 is helpful. It says, therefore, Romans 5.1, see if we have that. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Church, if you believe in Jesus, then you have been justified. 
Jesus died for you. Jesus rose. Jesus has given you his righteousness. You are justified. You have peace with God. You are blameless. You are fully and completely blameless. However, there's another type of blameless or another piece of blamelessness or righteousness. See, before God, we are completely blameless, and yet I still sin. I still fall short in the way that I live day to day. That doesn't change my standing before God because I know that every time I sin, Jesus has paid for that sin. But the way that I currently live doesn't fully line up with the way that I'm ultimately going to live. It doesn't come in line with the way of who I am right now. And I think that's what Paul means when he says that we are being kept blameless. We are counted as holy because we're in Jesus, and yet we're still being made fully holy every day. We're being kept holy. Ultimately, I think this is really what sanctification is. Sanctification, layman's terms maybe, is becoming who we are. It's living like who we really already are. I was trying to think through, like, what's a good example for this? And I have one, but it falls a little bit short, so give me some grace on that. But I think this is kind of, this was helpful in me thinking about it. Who here is over 18? Raise your hand. You don't have to answer that. No, you do have to answer that. Just kidding. Okay. So you're 18. Before you're 18 years old, what are you considered legally? Are you an adult or are you a minor? You're a minor. And there's nothing that you can do to make yourself into an adult. You have to be 18 years old, right? So when you are 17 years and 364 days or whatever old, you're a minor. The sun goes down. The sun comes back up. Now you're 18 years old. When you're 18, you are now considered what? An adult. You are now an adult. You can vote. You can join the military. You can drive after midnight or whatever those silly rules are. The point is that now, legally, you are considered an adult. You can't make yourself not an adult. You can't go backwards into your 17 years and make yourself a minor. You are considered an adult. And some crimes you commit, you'll be tried as an adult now. And there's privileges and things you can do because you're an adult. However, between your last day of being 17 and your first day of being 18, are you a dramatically different person? Do you now know how to act like an adult perfectly? Do you behave like an adult in every way? Do you have all the experience and the abilities that adults have? No, you don't. I can tell you you don't. I don't. And so, like I said, the analogy falls apart a little bit, but I think it's kind of becoming who we are. From every moment, from our 18th birthday onward, we're sort of becoming more and more like adults. I don't know, maybe eventually you arrive. If you do, let me know. But every day I feel like I'm still learning what does it mean to be an adult. <laughs> and I think to a certain extent that's what our sanctification is too. That's what our blamelessness, blamelessness is before God. We are declared as blameless. We are declared as righteous. And yet every day that we live with Jesus, for Jesus, we are becoming who we are. We are actually becoming more blameless through and through in our whole person, our whole being. I'm going to pull up another passage on the screen. Romans 6, 22 and 23. Romans 6, 22 and 23. Listen to what it says about sanctification. But now that you have been set free from sin, okay, so you've been saved. Now that you've been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to... Say it again. Okay, so now that you've been saved... You've been set free from sin and have become slaves of God. The fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. 
For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. Eternal life is the free gift of God in Jesus Christ. However, it comes through sanctification. The end of you being sanctified is eternal life. You don't make yourself sanctified to earn eternal life. You've got to make sure this order stays right. But because you have been given eternal life through the work of Jesus, then you will necessarily be sanctified until you reach eternal life. Because you have been saved, then you will be sanctified. And if you are sanctified, then you will have eternal life produced in you. You see, salvation and sanctification are two sides of the same coin. You cannot, you cannot separate them. Listen, church, you cannot separate your salvation, saved from God's wrath, living eternally with him, and your sanctification, the process of you becoming more and more like Jesus, living for Jesus like we've been talking about. They go together. They're hand in hand. They're two sides of the same thing. If you are saved, you will be sanctified. If you are being sanctified, you are saved. Okay? It is not live a holy life or be saved by grace. A lot of people like to try to make a distinction and say the argument, oh, well, do we believe you're saved by grace or do we believe you have to live a holy life? What Paul is saying here very clearly is both. You live a holy life because you are saved by grace. We're saved by grace, so we must live a holy life. If we were not saved by grace, our works would be filthy rags. Did you hear that? If you were not saved by grace, then anything you do would be evil. It would be wicked. It would be filthy rags. But because you are saved by grace, because you are completely clean in Jesus, then we actually can start to please God. We can do things that are honoring to God. We can live blamelessly. We can live righteously. We can live holy lives. And more and more and more as Jesus' day is approaching. We are slowly starting to work and live like a living person. It's kind of like, it's kind of like we're dead. And when you're dead, you're dead. You can't do anything, right? Nothing. Nothing happens at all. But then God gives us life through Jesus. And now we're alive. We're breathing. Our heart's beating. But there's a little period from when our heart starts beating to where your whole body is functioning 100% as it should. And church, it's like we are in that tiny, tiny, tiny little blip you know, of our eternal timeline where God has saved us. He's given us new life. He's given, given us the standing of Jesus and being perfect and righteous. And yet we're still just, our bodies are just coming to life. And right now we're in that little period for maybe 50, 60, 80, 100 years out of eternity, where we are becoming 100% who we are, which is blameless through and through. Your body, your soul, your spirit, your heart, your emotions, your desires, your actions. We're being transformed, church. We're becoming who we actually are. And I love this in verse 23, just to make sure we fully get it. We will be sanctified how much? How much? Completely, completely sanctified. Not 50%, not 80%, completely sanctified. But when's that going to happen? When is our sanctification going to be complete? Verse 23 also tells us that at the very end. 
And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul reminds us in 1 Thessalonians time and time again that Jesus will return. He is coming back. He is coming back and it's going to be soon. And then the rest of eternity starts. He's coming back soon. And when he comes, we will be presented as blameless because we are in him. We will be presented as blameless because through our sanctification. Church, God has called you, so he will surely sanctify you. He has called you. He will surely work in you to make you blameless. I told you I was going to tell you it over and over again. I'm going to keep saying it. I'm going to keep saying it. God will sanctify you. He will work in your heart. He will work in your body. He will work in your mind to make you more and more and more like Jesus every day. Why? Because he called you and he's faithful. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. So, I have six ways that this will change your life. Six ways this will change your life. We're going to go through them kind of quickly. How are we doing on time? Doing all right. All right, number one, rest in Jesus for sanctification. Rest in Jesus. Are you discouraged this morning? Do you feel like no matter how hard you keep trying, you just fail? Do you feel like there's sin that you just cannot conquer? There's a habit that you can't get over? I just remind you, whose work are you aware of then? Are you aware of your work? Or are you aware of God's working in you? God called you. He's not reliant on your faith. He's not reliant on your behavior. So relax. There is no weight on your shoulders. You are not bearing the burden of sanctifying yourself. God will sanctify you. Rest in that. Enjoy that. Soak it in. It's all Jesus. Number two, God will get, sorry, give God the glory for sanctification. Number two, give God the glory for sanctification. You will be tempted to take the credit for your, your sanctification. Giving you the heads up. It's in all of us, part of our sinful old man wants to take the credit for anything good that we do. You will be tempted to take the credit. I read this book and my parenting got better. I just stopped going to that website, and then I wasn't tempted to look anymore. I just think positive thoughts, and that's been helpful with my anxiety. No, no, and no. Any good thing that you do, it's coming from God. Now, God uses other people. God uses books. God uses his words, certainly. God uses our thoughts. God uses self-control, but ultimately it's God. And we should give him the praise for that. We need to give him the glory for that. We need to be proclaimers of God's sanctifying work inside of us. Verse 16 that we heard about a couple weeks ago, rejoice always. Verse 18, give thanks. Rejoice, give thanks for God's sanctifying work in you. All right, number three, if God will surely sanctify you, then pray for sanctification. Pray for sanctification. Do you want a prayer that's going to be answered, that's guaranteed, 100% going to be answered, backed by God to be answered? Well, pray for your sanctification. Pray for the sanctification of others. That's what Paul's doing for us through the benediction. He's praying for us. And in a passage we're going to get into next week, Paul's next sentence says, brothers, pray for us. Pray for the apostles. See, God uses work to sanctify. God uses prayer to sanctify us. God works through the prayer, effectively works through the prayer of other believers and through your prayers to sanctify you. So pray for it. Ask God to change your heart. Ask God to help you defeat sin. Ask God to work in you. Number four, strive for sanctification. Strive for sanctification. 
Listen, I hope it's clear by now, but you cannot encounter Jesus as your Savior. You cannot see Jesus for who he is and then not be changed. You cannot. It is impossible. You cannot believe in Jesus, have your heart changed, be completely blameless before God. Have faith, be in the light, be alive, and still act completely unchanged. So, we should be striving for it. We should be working toward that. We are guaranteed that God is going to work in our hearts, so let's join him in the work he's doing. If we are believers in Jesus, and there's two primary reasons why we will do what he has said. Number one is because he told us to do it. If he is your Lord, then you will do what your Lord has commanded. If you see Jesus as good and holy and right, then we will want to obey him. He's God. He's perfect. We'll do what he says. But number two is if we see Jesus for who he is, then we would say that anything that he desires for us, we know is going to make us the most satisfied, the most happy, the most way we want to be. Following Jesus' commands will give us the most joy and make us as most fulfilled as we could possibly be, because that is what we are created to do. We are created to love him and live for him and serve him and proclaim him to be sanctified by him. Our thoughts matter, our words matter, our actions matter, our desires matter. So let's be believers that seek to live for God, that seek to live for Jesus while we're waiting for Jesus. Fight for it. Work at it. Number five. Expect, expect sanctification right now. If God will surely sanctify you, then expect sanctification now. Church, God is perfectly efficient. This was a really helpful truth for me this week. It took me a couple laps before I got it, so we'll see if I can convey that for you. God is the holy God of the universe that has control over every molecule, every atom, every electron, and smaller across the entire universe. He's in control of it all. He's ordained it all. He's planned it all. There is not a single thing in your life right now that is not leading to your sanctification. There is not a single thing in your life that is not ultimately leading, assisting, being part of God's plan for your sanctification. God doesn't take time off. God doesn't have slack time. God doesn't have time slicing. It's like, oh, I'm, uh, I'm working on sanctification over here right now. Okay, he's going to let him coast. I'm going to sanctify this guy over here right now. Okay, let him coast for a little bit. No, God is sanctifying his entire church right now perfectly and completely. So your sickness is part of God sanctifying you. Your blessings, your raise, your children, your relationships, your spouse, your struggles, your sin, your slowness. To change, it's all part of God working his perfect, custom, tailored plan of sanctification for you. Do you believe that? Do you believe that this morning, that God is sanctifying you right now? Many times we don't see it, but it is happening. Take the truth that we've heard this morning. Take the promise that we've heard this morning. God is sanctifying you completely, and he's doing it right now. Right now. All right, last one, number six. You knew we were going to do this, right? Live in community for sanctification. Live in community for sanctification. I need to hear this. I need to be reminded of this. Even in the commands that Paul gave us previously, love one another, encourage one another, build up one another, do good to one another, pray for one another. 
It's one anothering, one another, one another, being a church, being believers. Similar to the way that God uses prayer to bring about our sanctification, God uses other believers to bring about our sanctification. He's called us to live in community. He's called you to be a part of a community so that you can be sanctified the way he wants you to be sanctified. And he's called you to be a part of community so that you can help sanctify others the way that God is sanctifying them. I just ask you this morning, do you seek community for your sanctification and for the sanctification of others? Because we're called to. It's part of what God's doing. It's part of what God has called us for. God has called you, so he will surely sanctify you. That is how we can live for Jesus while we wait for Jesus, church. That's the only way we can live for Jesus while we wait for Jesus, because God is actively sanctifying you. So I ask you, do you feel more sure now? Do you have some assurance? Was there some truth that kind of stuck out? It's like, oh, I can grab a hold of that. I encourage you. We're just going to take a couple moments just to consider what is God saying to you right now? What ways is the Spirit bringing assurance to you? Maybe one of those six things at the end that you can grab a hold of a little bit more. Spend some time with the Holy Spirit. Ask him to speak to you. Ask him to work in you. Ask him to bring you clarity or something to mind. Church, I ask and I pray and I hope for us that we will be a church that lives for Jesus with assurance while waiting for Jesus. Let me just pray for us and we'll take a minute. Father, I ask you that you would right now bring, bring to mind, God, stirring in our hearts. Bring to mind thoughts that are helpful. Bring us assurance for the way that you're working in us. Give us hope where we don't have hope. Give us help where we need help. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would be working to sanctify us right now. Sanctify us now, Lord, I pray. Don't let us leave here the same as we came. Don't let us go to bed tonight the same as we did last night. God, we want to be changed for your glory. We want to be more like you. And we want to believe that you're doing that. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.